I've come across the following question a lot. What is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? And my conventional answer to this used to be, well, do you know MMA? And if they say yes, then I would go on and say, well, do you know the ground part of MMA? That ground fighting. If they say yes again, then I said, yeah, that that's Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, so you know it. Okay, so I'm a little ashamed to admit that, but after a while I just got lazy and didn't want to get into depth about explaining what it was. It's just too big, it's too long, and there's too many feelings involved. I attribute that purely to laziness, and the laziness probably stems from a place of disgust towards people that don't know what a BJJ is. Um, this secretly also stems from a place that still feels a little bit ashamed to have dedicated my life to some obscure sport that nobody knows about that involves two adults getting uncomfortably close on the mats a lot of sweating, hugging and choking so much choking so that you could say it's downright masochistically homoerotic and weird I mean try it go ahead, try to explain to a normie what it's like to do jujitsu. show them pictures of shirtless men laying in each other's arms and tell them this is the pinnacle of self-defense ever created. This is th the highest we will ever get with martial arts. It will let a smaller man or woman, no judgment, I mean, times have changed, submit a bigger man or woman. Again, no judgment. Without the use of strength, tell them so full of passion and don't you dare make it sound like a cult. Which sermons you have to attend daily to grow in rank to be a bigger part of the core and ultimately open up your own chapel and start your own sermons. This is the reason I embarked on this journey. For you see, I don't feel I have done BJJ justice in the past years. I have not given it the love and respect it deserves. I have been quietly participating in these ceremonies, but never have I outwardly announced my faith. And it's so here I am acceptance at last. I, Julio Vinke, do the most efficient, amazing martial art in the world with the best community ever, and it is just slightly cultish, and it is just slightly questionable about its sexual orientation. But it's all the fun I need. This is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, how it came to be, why it exists, and what it is. Episode 1. Hope you enjoy. Stay sexy. Another thing that I have to do, that I always forget. Well, no, I don't always forget. I, I just don't know how to bring it. And that is, uh, I want to thank my sponsors. Uh, first of all, I want to thank Browse for giving me the clothes I need to do the job that I want. <laughs> Basically, they are supplying me with some of, with amazing gear. That's what I want to say. So a big shout out to Browse. I love their stuff. It it sits wonderfully. And it looks cool too. It's, it's kind of a pride. I have pride wearing it. Although I know where it comes from. I'm still proud of it. <laughs> I know what black magic shit they do to it too. To, I now know what kind of black magic shit they do to it. To make it so good. And so light. It has fairy blood in it. It's amazing. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Uh, all jokes aside, it's really good quality, high quality stuff that just sits perfect. I started with one gi, one rash guard, one shorts, and now I'm, I'm slowly turning my whole wardrobe into brow stuff. I'm, I'm so happy. 
that they don't sell pants and shoes and underwear and stuff like that or else I'll be a walking billboard for them and it's that fast that that's how fast you lose and sell your soul out to a to a brand but if it's a good brand I mean fuck it I mean I love it I don't care I'll be a whore it's fine but they do have also a a really sensational uh, program which is the Browse Foundation digging wells up in Pakistan it's it's supplying people with water it's fantastic and um, I actually met the, 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 the owner of Browse and he himself goes over there and digs holes which is just it's just good to hear that somebody like like a CEO does that it's just it just warms your heart in every way so definitely thank you Browse and thank you for believing in this and thank you for for setting this up and thank you Browse Europe especially which I'm the most in contact with there they're just fantastic and uh, thank you Kaizen League Kaizen League this is a good one this is also jujitsu related so I'm trying to keep my sponsors at least thematically in line and that is uh, Kaizen League is we're bringing out some of the best events out there you might hear my voice come by in um in some of the, the the commentary because i'm the one doing the commentary so if you hear me say stupid shit yeah that's me that's me but that's because i get too excited with the beautiful fights they set up and uh yo the camera work is out of this world it's just fantastic so i wanted to thank these both and kaisenlied will have a championship coming up soon 7th of october and it's going to be amazing a tournament with some uh, with some with some special fights coming at the end it'll look fantastic it'll be fantastic and it's going to be so much fun and i hope to see as many of you there and i hope that as many of you can see me there as well and uh, this is it this was the part of me promoting stuff and now we're going to get into the juicy things hey guys welcome to the episode cauliflower philosophy on the history of brazilian jiu-jitsu and I guess it took so long for me to make this because I did a lot of study in this and the first step, that's the most difficult one because I did not know where to start. And now I do, but I'm still very tentative about it. And, uh, well, it all starts in Japan, of course. Um, For those that know a little bit of the history, it does come from judo. Only I mean how far back should I go to give you a intelligent view of what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is and how it came to be. And I do have to then include how Judo came to be, in a sense. So I will make a very short introduction about how Judo came to be and then follow through the timeline of, of, of things. Now I am aiming to make it so that the, um, the timeline is not necessarily based on perfect dates. I do know the dates, but that's not my focus. My focus is painting you the picture around where these creators, where these geniuses, where these martial artists have been and what, what is the period they are in and what are the things that are going on that might have shaped their mindset to do what they are doing and to become what they have become. And the story starts with Jigoro uh, Kanu, and I'm pronouncing that probably horribly, but that's fine. It's um, 
I'm pronouncing it the Brazilian way, how I was taught it the whole time. Medjugorokano. I love it. And he's an amazing human being. Um, created Kodokan Judo. But um, I wanted to give you a little bit of an idea of where this man was born into. And for that, I'm going to have to explain a little bit of the history of Japan. So we're going to take a couple of steps back into um, how how the major restoration came to be now the major restoration is very important for this because Jigoro Kano was born in the middle of it now uh, around the year around the 12th century let's say uh, Japan had um, a lot of wars and the warring class was of course the samurai and the samurai then at a certain point got organized and they had a little dispute, let's call it that, with the then emperor. And their emperor was turned into a figurehead. That's it. He was just to be a figurehead. And uh, and then the era of shogunates began. And shoguns and daimyos everywhere they were trying to... No, well, daimyos were everywhere trying to seize the power so that they could be called shogun over all of Japan, of all of the area they were in now shoguns are kind of like what we would compare to this day to be military dictators of or military figureheads or people that were truly in power but they were all militaristically involved in a way right they were all samurai they were all fighters they were all warriors at the time and um, the daimyo were the guys under the shogun that had their pieces of land, that had their castles, that had everything like that, and they had their area and land of control with the peasantry to, at their disposal, their farmers at their disposal. So this is a this is an interesting period, and um, it all comes to a head kind of when Tokugawa Ieyasu he finally restores peace into Japan. Um, how does he do that? The, the face of war changed around that time because Japan made their first contact with Europeans, and Europeans brought two things, and they were they were they brought Christianity that was important, and they brought um, matchlock rifles. They brought rifles, which changed the way that the samurai fought at that point, and that that helped Tokugawa Ieyasu a lot with uh, creating some sort of peace and some sort of, 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 of unity within Japan, which was very interesting. So he took over, and one, the moment he took over, he basically closed down Japan. And um, that was very, uh, an interesting thing that happened. That was the, the Tokugawa period took 200 years. So it was a lot of successions that came after that. So it was a very powerful and very peaceful time, but... It was also a time where tensions built. It was 200 years of peace and 200 years of building tension. Now, something that is important to remember is that this period in Japan, there is a class system. It is shogun, daimyo, samurai, uh, then I think artisans, farmers, and merchants. So that's the order of things. And whatever you're born into, that's what you are. That's it. There's no social movement going on. And um, this is a period of so much peace that the, the daimyo and the samurai they didn't have really much to do at that time. And the merchants in peace, peacetime is a wonderful time for merchants. They thrive and evolve. So 
that's that's that started a little bit of the of the of the tension or that's a little bit of the situation in that era um farmers and peasants and they they literally stayed the same and they really did go through the, the hardships of being outside the big cities where most of the money was made um in that period of time there was a lot of closing the 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 doors or closing the harbors completely especially after the successor of Ieyasu Tokugawa uh, his son took over and his son was even worse he really closed down everything he just made one deal and this is very interesting he made a deal with the Dutch and he said um, there was a revolt going on from the Christian farmers and he, Tokugawa's son asked um, the Dutch to quell that revolution that was going on and that already shows a little bit of the contact with the Netherlands and Japan in the at the beginning of, of, of this this uh, this let's say that the beginning of judo going around the world there's already a little bit of contact going on there so there's a little bit of Dutch influence in this game and the Dutch in return they got the chance to keep trading with uh, Japan now um, we skip then this whole 200 year period and then there is a there is around six uh, if I'm not mistaken around the 1800 1850 something like that the, um, the the Americans just came out of a war out of the opium war with China and they had a massive success massive massive success at that time they, they they got a lot out of it and one of the things that then happened was they they still have an industrialization or they still have a, a industrial revolution going home back going on back at home and they decided to look at Japan which caught their attention because Japan has a lot of coal uh, uh, reservoirs and a lot of whales which is which is gives them a lot of a lot of resources to grow their industrialization so America went over there in a very American way I must say and was <laughs> showed up with four warships and said look we need to talk to the Shogun and they were very very insistent on on talking and the commander there was Matthew Perry and Matthew Perry really needed to really wanted to talk to the Shogun he said in other words um, either you open up or get ready for war I'll be back next year and of course, I'll be back with more ships. So Tokugawa Yamochi, which was the last Tokugawa, let's call him that, um, at that time had the following problem. Like either I open up to the Americans or I die. So it's either shame or death. And this is the thing he decided to he decided to 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 work with the Americans and sign treaties with the Americans, but not only with the Americans. He signed treaties with the Russians. He signed treaties with the with uh, the English. He signed treaties with the French. Like it, it was impossible to keep from letting Europe and the European and the West enter Japan because Japan was just stopped in time for two hundred years, where they didn't let any foreigners come into the country at all, and that meant that. In a lot of things, Japan had fallen behind. They had fallen behind with industrialization. They had fallen behind with war. 
especially war tactics and war weapons and all these things which are very very important for the growth of a nation just were left behind and didn't grow at all so at the end of this what did he get um because he gave up because he he decided to run or he decided to 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 sign the treaties and chose shame in the eyes of a lot of japanese the samurai class and a specific samurai class in the south of J J japan they decided from like we're not okay with this i mean japan is sacred soil we shouldn't be able to give it like that to the westerners so revolution and revolt started and um, against the shogun and a lot of daimyo were not happy with that because there were very honorable people of course and having your shogun bow down to the westerners in that way is is not a good thing so they smelled blood in the water and they took advantage of that and then the revolt started and the samurai said well you can't do this without having the emperor evolve and remember the emperor has been a figurehead for all this time that's all it's since the the, the 12th century and now all the way up to the 18th 19th century he, he like up up until 1870 something like that he was basically still a figurehead and um, but the, the samurai pushed on invaded and eventually the shogunate fell and in place of that the meiji restoration was set but the meijis they 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 needed uh the, the the emperor they put down was 14 years old i mean the power didn't lie by him it lay literally in his in his cabinet or the meiji cabinet restoration is what we should call it and those were the people that actually had influence over what was going to happen in the future of japan and it is exactly in this period of time, because I know you're not here for only the history. It is exactly in this period of time that Jigoro Kano was born. He was born in 1860. So he got all of this Meiji restoration and the change from the old class shogunate into this new industrialized world that speaks English, that wears suits, that, that has cars, that has all these 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 technological advances in the world and on the other side of his the other half of his life or the other very close part of this life was still that shogunate area and now in this shogunate area era or this era where the 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 emperor was disposed there's there's a lot of and now i'm focusing only on the jujutsu part there's a lot of jujutsu is growing a lot war is happening the whole time so there's a lot of schools for studies of war studies of movement and 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 one of these studies is is yaware or jujutsu or japanese jujutsu so there were many different jujutsu schools all specialized in very different things all throughout this 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 tokugawa era and thriving of course because they were well respected and all of them had specialities in little different things like armed combat of course like everybody had the sword pole uh, uh horse combat all of these bow and arrow there's there's still schools in bow and arrow to this day there's still jujutsu schools to this day as a matter of fact but there's many others all around there with different little things and there's there's specific jujutsu schools that were also dealt with um 
combat but unarmed combat and the idea of these schools were how to fight without a weapon how to fight with a smaller weapon how to uh, incapacitate or kill your opponent how to and this is very interesting there was also the, the the form of how to secure your opponent so how to capture and release your opponent these are very interesting little things that were happening at the time and very interesting schools now there's not much information on them but there is enough there's enough books that actually portray techniques of holding down throwing um striking with striking without striking controlling on the floor very interesting to see these pictures and see these these things happening now jigoro be being born in that era is something that does give a little bit of an insight of what he was thinking i mean born to a traditional family and uh, his father was a very very forward thinking man in the sense that he came from a long line of priests shinto priests um from a well to do family this was not a poor family this was a well to do family and um the father worked for the for the government and worked for the meiji government where he enlisted himself so there wasn't much resistance on the part of the family to work with the new uh meiji restoration government because i do believe that they see a lot of the benefits with the industrialization and everything that happened at that time that influenced his mind of course especially one other thing his father did put him down to learn chinese calligraphy and english which is very interesting at the time not many people did that and he himself shigoro akano uh, was very very interested in english so much so that the books he wrote and still to this day it's a little bit debated has he written them out of secrecy or not but he wrote them all in english so the techniques the very first techniques the very first books the kodokan judo was written in english so the passing down of his information maybe for secrecy reasons or maybe in a sense because he already knew that this was for the world that's an interesting thing to think about that the person that created judo that created this amazing art within his mind and a uh, uh, a sense when you read his book there's a sense of like i want to do something to give back to the world so the westerners gave us all this beautiful technology and things this is my present back this is kind of a system that i give back to 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 my people and i give back to the world as a thank you and it's a system of teaching and it's a system of martial art of course and there's so much more to it and this is something we're going to look into in the next episode because i promised myself i'm not going to make these episodes huge or long or big i'm going to make them just long enough so you can enjoy so for the next episode we're going to look at how jigoro kano came to do martial arts where he did it and how he started evolving as a teacher which is a very important aspect and then we go deeper into the philosophy of what he's doing and how it got into the world and it's it's an amazing story from an, a a very impressive genius of martial arts and uh, i love recounting it and i loved reading about it and i hope you guys can enjoy it as much as i did 
I'll give you a little sneak peek. So he was born in uh, 1860, uh, learned a lot of calligraphy in English when he was younger. And then afterwards, um, he was given the ability to, or given permission by his parents to go study, study English at uh, the Tokyo School of Foreign Languages. And uh, this is kind of a predecessor to the Tokyo University. Um, it is the Tokyo University. And um, he got there as a 14-year-old. So a very, very young boy. 14, 15 years old. And of course, this this does sound like the story of every single anime you have ever heard. And every single, every single martial arts movie you heard. So 14 years old, gets into school. Everybody else is bigger and stronger than him. It is, it is l- quite literally like that. And he was very small. He's a little bit... He's 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 a, a spit over five foot tall, which is not very tall for those that count in centimeters. And um, he was fascinated from the beginning of learning how to be more powerful than those around him, and wanted to to have a way to defend himself and a way to to fight back against these much much bigger first years uh, kids that were studying there with him. And that is one definite driving point. I mean, I think every single martial artist has this. We never start. Mm, it's rare to see that somebody starts fighting for the sake of fighting. It's it's always, there's always a reason there. Like, I want to get stronger to defend somebody. Or I want to get stronger to defend myself. I want to look better or feel better about myself. And there's very few of us that actually are. When we look at it, we are like, okay, this I want to do because I feel, I don't know. I I think the calling is always there or the interest is always to do something like that because you could do a bunch of other sports, of course, but there's there's always this little thing where like, I wanted to do this to be stronger. I wanted to do this to be more powerful. I wanted to do this to be, to feel better about myself and it's interesting to see that that the creator of judo had these same little struggles of like I'm doing this to defend myself because I've been bullied at school basically and creating this amazing martial art judo that came from Japanese jujutsu that came from Yawari and that eventually led him to 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 teach students his own students create his own school and then send his students all over the world including to brazil where it got in contact with the right family and it grew up there to be what we now know as brazilian jiu-jitsu the sport that we love and one of the fastest growing sport to this date it's amazing with uh, having told you this and having given you a little bit of a sneak peek what is yet to come I hope to hear from you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And stay sexy. Rose.